You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. History is written by the winners. Or is it? There is no more controversial or popular topic in Civil War writing today than the question of how the war has been remembered and written for us. And today we'll talk to the person who got that interpretive ball rolling, Yale professor David W. Blight, author of Race and Reunion, The Civil War in American Memory. Join us with Professor Blight in just a moment on Civil War Talk Radio. Hi, Tom Bodette from Motel 6 with a word for business travelers. Seems business has its own language these days, full of buzzwords, like buzzword or net-net. And after a day spent whiteboarding a matrix of action items and deliverables, it's nice to know you can always outsource your accommodation needs to the nearest Motel 6. You'll get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price, net-net, of any national chain, plus data ports and free local calls, in case you tabled your discussion and need to reconvene offline. So you can think of Motel 6 as your total business travel solution provider, vis-a-vis cost-effective lodging alternatives for Q1 through Q4, I think. Just call 1-800-4-MOTEL-6 or visit motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll maintain the lighting device in its current state of illumination for you. Motel 6 and a core hotel. World Talk Radio. Bringing the world to you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. building on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, but as I know from my legal background, always to say not in the least is East Carolina University responsible for anything that might be said on this program. Indeed, their only connection is that I'm in their office and I guess using their phone and uh, other utilities, but otherwise, uh, it's Civil War Talk Radio on its own. Back now for a third season. This is our first show of the third year of the program. We, according to the commercial I just heard, uh, seem to have a new sponsor, but I highly doubt they're actually uh, paying us for that. Uh, At least I don't see any of that. Uh, If they are, uh, remarkable. We have a new engineer uh, working with me on the show today, so any mistakes uh, will be my fault because I haven't told him how things are done. It is good to be back with the show after the summer hiatus. The sounds of fall are in the air, even though it's 90 degrees here in North Carolina. 
the marching band is practicing directly outside my office window. Not the entire marching band, just the percussion section, beating a persistent rhythm uh, over and over throughout the afternoon. I don't mind it. I actually like marching bands and their uh, the, the pomp and ceremony that they provide. Although, as I've learned, uh, the, the marching pirates of East Carolina only learn one program each fall, each football season. So after they play the first game, they then practice the same three songs over for the second, third, fourth, etc. And it does, by November, get to be a little, uh, a little bit uh, predictable. But Civil War Talk Radio is not like that at all. Not predictable. We will have many interesting different guests over the uh, weeks and months ahead. Uh, I, as always, invite all listeners to send in your suggestions who you'd like to hear on the program, uh, as well as questions you might want me to ask them. There's a link to my email on the website where you found this, and I always am happy to hear from listeners. Today, I'm uh, extremely pleased to have as our guest uh, Professor David W. Blight of Yale University. Uh, Dr. Blight, are you there? Yes, I am, Jerry. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, well, I'm delighted that you are here. I appreciate your patience waiting to get this uh, show on the road today, and, and uh, very happy to, to have you on the program. As I mentioned uh, a few moments ago introducing this, the uh, if there is any sponsorship for this show, they're, they're not paying me and I'm not paying you. Uh, so the only compensation we get is the opportunity to talk to each other about things, and in my case, the opportunity to remind our listeners at every chance I get that I once attended Harvard University. Uh, <laughs> good for you. I'm, uh, I'm sure you got a good education there, and I'm sure you're giving good education at uh, East, East Carolina. Well, I'm, I'm doing my best. Uh, whenever I, I, I have a Yale guest on, and that's uh, not infrequent, I reminded of that scene on Gilligan's Island when uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I had the worst nightmare. I dreamed I was a Yale man. Yeah, well, I, don't, I didn't go to Yale. I just work here, so I can't, I can't answer for any of that. So. I actually feel the same way about Harvard. I just got my degree there. I'm a Michigan man at heart, and uh, the Wolverines are well poised for this year's football season. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I went to Michigan State, so we won't, really? we won't talk about that. Excellent. Well, then, we yes, we'll have much to say later in the year. Uh, <laughs> Spartan Wolverine matchup always a, a highlight. Well, did you study um, the history as an undergraduate? Was that or, or, uh, or yes, I did. I was an undergraduate history major. I was a history major from the earliest time I can remember thinking about what I was most interested in. Um, even in high school, I was, uh, I suppose, a kind of teenage Civil War buff growing up in the Midwest. I started reading Bruce Catton, uh, and oh, I suppose when I was a mid-teenager, um, Stillness at Appomattox, and Mr. Lincoln's Army, and Terrible Swift Sword, and those wonderful narrative histories he wrote in the 1960s, and uh, Catton captured me. Uh, I suppose it was just a the imagination of of the epic character of the Civil War that drew me in as a as a youngster, like it does for so many people. But but yeah, I majored in history from day one. That, that's interesting about Catton. I, I frequently ask uh, people what what got them interested in the war, and for many, it was uh, Catton's centennial history of the war. With the uh, oh, that too. Yeah, his single volume history was 
was a remarkable work. Uh, the thing about Catton uh, was his narrative style. He was just a great storyteller. He wrote sentences uh, like, uh, the day dawned with a promise of warmth in the air above the 21st New York and so on, and you just have to read the next sentence and the next sentence and the next sentence. But Catton also had a sense of the war's meaning. Uh, I think when I when I look back at him, you know, many years later, he wasn't merely writing battle and campaign narrative. He he really was after a sense of the meaning of the war. Uh, his sense of the meaning and memory of the war was was rooted or or locked in the 1950s and 60s, which is not surprising. That's that's when he wrote. Uh, but. Uh, I think that captured me about Catton too. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't just the narrative style, but uh, he was a beautiful writer. There's no doubt about it. He was. I I always think of his style. Uh, reminds me of a sort of very rich kind of French cuisine cream sauce kind of dish. Whenever I start rereading anything of his, I think I I can't stand this. This is just too much. <laughs> but I read the next sentence and the next, and after 20 pages, I'm completely completely hooked and yeah, read the seductive. Whole thing. It, it's uh it's it, an it's, older uh, style and yeah. it's inventive uh you know he he'll use uh, images of nature uh he'll uh, he'll develop a you know something about a character a person that may be extraneous to the story but it's there uh i think catano also had um he had a he had a keen eye for the key quotation, a keen eye for the the voices even of ordinary soldiers. Uh, so I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think somebody actually should write a a retrospective book about uh, the influence of Bruce Cat. I've actually thought of doing that myself, but I never I never have. Uh, his, his sheer sales of of you know Civil War narrative history from what the mid 1950s to the mid 1960s is um, uh, must be phenomenal, and that's that's really and a continue to sell. I think people do still read read him. Yeah, um, I, I've used the short version of his, his one volume as a, a basic text for undergraduate courses in the past. Right. I've actually taught stillness at Appomattox a few times in a in a Civil War Reconstruction lecture course uh, because of the way it it handles the the drama and the um, horror of that final year of the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't taught it in recent years, but uh, I used to teach it. Uh, if for no if for no other reason than to give uh, students uh, a flavor for that kind of narrative history. Now, what if one of your graduate students proposed to write a dissertation in that? Kind of I would song. urge him to be careful. <laughs> I'd urge him to be careful. I mean, uh, there's a time and place to to write grand narrative, and then there's a time and place to write uh, good original uh, analytical uh, monograph. <laughs> and the dissertation is usually the time uh, to do that monograph. You know, I mean, it, it's it's just a reality of of the trade or the craft that uh if you but on the other hand that doesn't mean that um a graduate student writing a dissertation or for that matter any scholar 
writing a highly analytical book, it doesn't mean that they can't still be a good storyteller. You can still tell stories within your larger uh, uh, purpose. And uh, I think a lot of good historians now do that. I mean, it's for years, you know, we've been now debating and arguing how we get back to narrative, quote-unquote. Right. But a lot, of, a lot of us have been getting back to narrative for a long time. Uh, the question is simply how you do it uh, while still harnessing so many of the great insights of, of recent modern scholarship. Well, now, now you point out, that, and I would agree, that the dissertation is, is probably not the place to write the grand narrative. But is is there anyone doing that today? Is, is, who is writing the grand narrative? At what stage in whose career? Um, yeah. Well, sure, uh, David McCullough is. And, or, or Doris Kearns Goodwin is. Doris, Doris, Doris Goodwin does. But uh, there are plenty of... Uh, what we used to call popular historians in the Bruce Ketton, uh, Shelby Foot uh, vein, um, and you can see it from sales. You can also see it in in popular biography. Um, well, do you think on it's the other hand, problem? on the other hand, you know, the, the, there's only so much room in the reading marketplace mm-hmm. for yet another grand narrative of the Civil War, and I think. I, I think uh, books that are somewhat more specialized and yet also are are well written uh, are going to find readership because uh, there are still, thank God, Americans who want to read books. Well, there are. I think there are large numbers, and it, I, I admit that it troubles me that the people selling most of the books tend, about history tend not to be historians. Yeah, and that we aren't. You mean reaching. bookstore owners, publishers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, there was uh, one of your colleagues has written a grand narrative uh, in the past year. Uh, at one of your colleagues, Yale, Harry Stout. Oh, sure. Uh, a book on just war. Yeah. Yes, I, he was on the show uh, in June, and uh, I, I had to admit it was the first book I think I had read for this show that I really could not. Uh, that, that I disagreed with sharply, I guess. Uh, I, I, I think it's an important book that everyone ought to read because mm-hmm. of the issues it raises. But yeah, I, I read it in manuscript, as uh, you may know, and, and uh, I find it a very compelling set of questions. Yeah. Um, I don't always come down agreeing with every aspect uh, of Stout's analysis, um, and he is a good friend, so I, I have to I have to offer that caveat. But you know, it's a question we've never fully asked about the Civil War. We we, we do ask uh, philosophical just war questions about aspects of World War II, aspects of World War One, aspects of the nuclear age. Uh, uh, we certainly ask just war questions about the kind of of um, insurgency warfare or counterinsurgency warfare going on around the world these days, but. Um, the level of uh, war-making um, and sometimes near-savagery that, that actually was practiced in the American Civil War is something we've never really asked about. It's a tough question, though, because at the, at the end of the day, you, you, you're asking this about individual decision-makers uh, from Lincoln and Davis on down through commanding generals and even down to you know the levels of, of line officers. 
Um, and I do think that generation was trapped within this terrible dilemma they had of fighting a war of such enormous scale with all these modern weapons, uh, with the rifled musket and long-range artillery and uh, tactics that still required, you know, still relied on um, old-fashioned turning movements and flanking movements and just lining men up and moving men against other men. Uh, uh, it, it is that transition in the history of warfare, uh, you know, of, as you know better than I, of uh, old tactics to new weaponry. And so there are going to be moral dimensions when that happens in history. It happens again, of course, with, with the First World War and aerial bombing and so on. Uh, and then, of course, it happens on an enormous scale with the slaughter of civilians in the Second World War. Um, so, you know, I, I'm glad Skip Stout wrote that book because it, it pushes some questions we just haven't really wanted to ask about the Civil War. And if, if a debate emerges from it, it's fine with me. Well, I, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. I think the questions it asks are, are absolutely overdue and, and brilliant, and you're much uh, more more circumspect and kind in your, your reference to perhaps some of the answers uh, provided to the questions, but I think the questions alone are worth the price of admission for that. Uh, the background music tells me it's time for us to take a short break. Okay. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute or two with David Blight here on Civil War Talk Radio. <laughs> 